But first, you might have seen the AI-generated model of what remote office workers could look like in 70 years floating around the internet. Swollen eyes, hunched appearance, even claw-like hands. It's raised concerns about how working remotely can affect our health negatively. But it's also raised questions about whether it's the place or the kind of work that's being done that's really the problem. George Andrews is a physical therapist and clinical manager for Rush Physical Therapy, and he's here to weigh in. Welcome to Reset, George. Hi, Patrick. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. We also want to hear from you out there listening right now. How has working remotely affected your health, physically or mentally? Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, you can call us at 866-915-WBEZ. So, George, you have a picture of that model that I was talking about in front of you right now, which, by the way, was created by a furniture company. So, you know, not necessarily like uh, absolute truth. But but I wonder what you think of that that prediction there. I think this prediction is a little off. I mean, if somebody is sitting at on their bed or on their couch for eight to ten hours a day, sure. But most people are, have some sort of fitness routine that they like to um, incorporate into their day. So it would be a little hard for me to digest this mm-hmm. and anticipate this is what our population is going to um, go towards. Yeah, and, and and I should say that the furniture crate company that created this based on, according to them, research that showed that a third of UK home workers have no dedicated workspace at home. So this idea that people are sitting on their bed or sitting on their couch for eight to 10 hours like you're talking about. But again, a furniture company that might sell desk chairs has a, you know, uh, a, an incentive to make that look as sort of horrifying as possible. Either way, let's face it, office work is sedentary. Um, and so I wonder if just big picture, how can a lack of movement over the workday affect people's health overall? So a lack of movement um, throughout the day does affect your health. It decreases your like metabolic rate. You're not going to you're going to be a little hunched over, right? If we're not changing positions. So why we are seeing this on a bed? We don't have any support through the back, right? And we're hunched over that computer, going rounding our shoulders, right? So what we want to do in this position is we just like want to stand up, move around, right? We're going to do that in the office or at home. So let's tie that to something else we do. This is showing that we're not going to move at all throughout the day. Right. So that would be based on if you don't have a a good workspace and you're not moving at all. But I mean, the conditions you're talking about hunched over at at your computer uh, and not not getting up and moving, they seem like risk factors, whether you're at home or at the office. Is there what's distinct about working remotely that that could be a risk factor? If I pull like a personal anecdote, I have a roommate that works from home. Uh, He is very good about getting up moving around throughout the house, doing chores to get him moving. But if I see him sitting on a just stool or on the floor, it does make the PT and me cringe a little (laughs) bit watching that posture in his low back or his neck or the rounding of his shoulders. Yeah, let's talk about, I mean, what's the importance of, of, of furniture setup at home? I mean, do you need to have, obviously, as you're saying, it's important to get up and move no matter what your position, mm-hmm. but but when you're working, do you need to have the right right desk, right chair to, to, to be healthy for your, for your posture as you're talking about? It does help, especially if you're in a job that doesn't allow you to stand up at like once or twice an hour to give you that lumbar support to so that low back support and force you to stay in an upright posture. But even seated in an upright posture it correctly is going to cause pain if you're not moving. We are not meant to be sedentary beings. So how often should somebody be getting up and, and walking around? I would say at least once an hour we want to stand up. So it's not a – so you hear this push for a standing desk at work, correct? Yeah. Well, we want – 
that standing desk to more function to position for a positional change and work on a standing schedule, not standing throughout the entirety of the day. Because you can have poor posture standing as well as sitting. Yeah, we have standing desks here at the office. I got to say, it makes a big difference just to, yeah, I, I, I probably don't do it once an hour, but, you know, at least a few times a day, like, I'm going to stand up for 20 minutes and it does it does make a difference. Um, I want to bring in another voice in here. Phoebe Gavin is a career coach. She's worked in human resources, leading and hiring people at the height of remote work during the pandemic. Welcome back to the show, Phoebe. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Glad to be here. So we're also taking your calls out there. If your work, if you work now or have worked remotely, did you feel like it affected your physical health? Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. That's 866-915-WBEZ. And while you're dialing the phone, Phoebe, I want to talk to you real quick. Uh, you've been working remotely since 2014. Uh, that's obviously longer than, than many of us who were sort of pushed to remote work because of the pandemic. How do, what do you like about re- remote work? How does it allow you to make different choices about your time management? I love that you're emphasizing a choice, and that is the thing that I really love about working remotely. It gives me so much more flexibility to make choices about how I work and how I live, so that is in alignment with uh, all of the different spectrums of health, so not just physical health, but also mental health, emotional health, relational health, financial health. It gives me many more choices, and that's why I love it so much. Although my understanding is that even for you, it was a bit of a learning curve. I mean, I mentioned you've been doing this since 2014. What adjustments did you have to make for your physical setup in the, in the beginning of working remotely? Definitely. So my first remote job was in 2014. And prior to that, I'd worked exclusively in offices full time. And no one told me all of the things that would be different about working at home versus working in an office. And I lived in New York City. I had a small apartment, uh, tiny furniture. Everything about it was very much geared toward fitting into a small a space as possible. And so ergonomics was not a, uh, a value that I put at the top of the list when I was decorating my little New York apartment <laughs> on the cheap. And so um, I ended up with back and neck pain. Um, and I also had a lot of issues sleeping because I was working in the same place that I was sleeping. And I had to take some time to figure out what are the things that I can do differently so that I don't have issues with my back and neck and that I can sleep well. And um, a big one was really paying attention to my posture and making some small investments that were able to increase the ergonomics of my overall setup. You know, as you were saying, back and neck issues, I saw George gave kind of like a knowing nod there. George here has been talking about the importance of moving throughout the day. One of the concerns that's been raised by researchers is that without a commute, sort of forced to get out of the house, remote workers move less than than even office workers do. Was that your experience at the beginning? How, how, How do you try to counteract that? I, that was not my experience in the beginning because I was very excited about mm. having more space in my, ta- my day and more flexibility in my day to do more athletic things. And so I'm definitely a, a gym rat. I love powerlifting, and I've been powerlifting for quite a long time. And so it, it gave me the opportunity to spend more time in the gym. And so it, I actually moved more because I had more time to go to the gym, but that movement was concentrated in my gym time and was not happening during my workday. And that was the adjustment that I had to make. I needed to do some things to increase the ergonomics of my seated situation, but also make some adjustments that would remind me or incentivize me to get up and move throughout the day. Because if you're sitting for eight hours a day, 
working out for an hour or two a day isn't going to make up for that long time period of just sitting down. Yeah, you know, that, that's that been my experience as well, work, working from home, is that when I have some downtime, I'm waiting for a callback or waiting on an edit or something, I'm going for a walk or I'm going out and shooting hoops. So I feel like I'm moving more. I want to go to Kevin in Elk Grove, who we have on the line now. And Kevin, you said that that's exp- your experience as well, that you're moving more working from home. Uh, yes, uh, th- thanks for having me, guys. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. But I do think it depends on what it is you do for a living. For example, my job is more transactional, meaning that I don't, uh, I'm not tied to a phone line or, and I don't have to constantly be on teams meetings and things like that. Um, so because of that, I actually have more flexibility to run an errand or go out for a walk or go to the gym or, you know, what have you. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree with the last caller too, though. You know, you are sitting uh, – when you are actually doing the work, <laughs> you are sitting longer than you probably would be overall um, if you took into consideration your workout schedule and just, you know, running an errand and what, what have you. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Kelly from, from the South Suburbs has, you know, kind of the opposite, kind of what you're talking about there, has had some negative impacts from working from home. Kelly, tell me about that. Um, Hi, I'm a nurse of 37 years, always wanted the opportunity to work from home. And after COVID, I've been home for five years. And I have found that it's impacted me mentally and physically and even spiritually. I I get a little depressed uh, sometimes being at home. It may be something related to COVID as well, but I am not uh, taking advantage of uh, going out as often or exercising this winter i barely went out uh, out of the house all Uh, i do think it is a personal choice and a personal commitment and people should if they can have that option Um, but i did it i wanted to do it and i realized that it is not for me at this time i'm 58 and i find when i stand up my I, i have that hunched over i've got to kind of straighten myself out um even when i'm not working Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that experience. I think that's a really great point. I mean, people have to sort of assess for themselves. And you're right, especially in the winter months when everything is telling you to stay in and stay home. If your job is also telling you to stay in and stay home, that can be hard. I appreciate you bringing up the, the sort of loneliness and mental health impacts. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. George, I want to ask you both what we just heard on the phone and also what you've seen from your own patients. I mean, what do you think about how working from home has affect, affected the callers we got, but also the, the patients you're seeing at your practice? I can see somebody that has more of a physical demanding job like a nurse having a ne- more negative impact on their day-to-day life because they're walking around the hospital, they're tending to patients, and you bring in that um, social model to it as well. They are helping somebody, and so getting that fulfillment out, and you you rip all of that away, you might even lose motivation to get up and walk around and move. So that's like the bigger picture, and we're always taught to look at the bigger picture, the patient as a whole. So. I think that throughout the day, it's just if you're tying habits, like, so I'm going to look at my social media, I'm going to do it while standing up. Mm. So, right. So it's not like I'm, I need to remind myself to stand up, tie it to something so that you don't have to remember. It'll just cue you in or put a little post-it on your workstation. That is a really, that, that's a really great tip. I wonder, you know, at your practice specifically, are there new or major complaints you're hearing from people or ailments that people are having because of work from home or since work from home really like sort of shot up in the last couple of years? 
I have people bringing in pictures of their workstation to try to get a more ergonomic um, setup so that they're not hunched over. They're not uh, rounding their low back. And we call it sacral sitting or sitting on your sit bones instead of coming and bringing it forward onto your thighs. That's where you want to feel your weight when you're sitting up and it'll kind of go up the chain while you're sitting as well. Well, as you're talking, I feel myself trying to make my posture better. <laughs> Phoebe, I, I want to go back to you here. You know, we heard Kelly there talking about sort of choice and how this choice wasn't good for her, but, it, it, you know, it's good to have the choice. I wonder, what have you heard from people you've hired about how working remotely was going for them? I mean, is working remotely that really that different from working in person as far as sort of office dynamics and, and, and coordination or collaboration? When we're talking about just the physicality of it, the the environment that you're in, where you're sitting, where you're working, that is largely within your control when you are working from home. And it's largely not within your control when you're working in an office. The mm-hmm. difference is that there was someone who at some point designed that office with some level of care toward ergonomics. So you're at least starting somewhere with a chair and a desk and a monitor that is kind of at least a little bit okay for ergonomics. Uh, most folks who move into a remote uh, um, role, whether that was suddenly during the pandemic or accidentally, as I did in 2014, don't do so into a work environment that is geared in any way toward ergonomics. And so you must make an intentional choice to observe and analyze your work area and decide, are there any adjustments or updates that I can make so that it is more physically kind to me, that it is more aligned with helping me maintain a good posture, where it is more aligned with helping me move around more frequently, keep uh, my neck and my wrist and my back in alignment and make those adjustments if necessary. If we don't take a moment to think about it, then we don't even have the opportunity to take advantage of the choices we have. George, I'm wondering about the commute. You know, as I think I mentioned before we went on, I usually bike to work, but but many people's commute are 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 driving or being sitting on the bus. That's not exercise. Um, are you hearing from clients who say, actually, since I don't have to commute anymore, I get more time to go to the gym, or now I can squeeze in a yoga class or anything like that? I do hear that. I have um, clients, friends, just peers that will take their lunch break and go to the gym for an hour, or they. Instead of going their hour or 45-minute commute, they take a morning walk to a, as a mental health break. I hear all of these little buzzwords, like, I'm taking my mental health walk mm-hmm. now, which you didn't hear that before the pandemic or before the shift to work from home. Phoebe, real quick, we've only got about 30 seconds here, but I thought this was really in- interesting. You recommend people consider cooking if they're working remotely instead of ordering in. Why is that? Well, when your inputs go up and your outputs go down, we have some physical um, outcomes that can happen. And so when you find a way to get excited about cooking, whether that's making simple meals or elaborate meals, it means that you are going to have control over what you're eating. You're going to know what you're eating. And so you're more likely to have a healthy, balanced, diverse diet. Excellent. And obviously inputs and outputs, you're talking about caloric inputs and outputs. Thank you so much. Phoebe Gavin is going to stay with us as we keep this conversation about remote remote work going. George Andrews, thank you so much. Physical therapist and clinical manager at Rush, thank you for your time. This is Reset. I'm Patrick Smith, in for Sasha and Simons. Before the break, we talked about some health concerns circulating online about working from home, from eye strain and bad posture to poor circulation from sitting too long. But what about the loneliness factor that can come from working remotely? We just heard a caller talk about that. We want to talk now about how building a vibrant social life outside of work can help. 
Phoebe Gavin is still with us. She's a career coach. We're also adding another voice to the conversation. Betsy Melchers is the program director at Third Space Chicago in Lakeview. Betsy, welcome to Reset. Thank you so much, Patrick. Happy to be here. Excellent. And we want to hear from you out there listening right now. Do you have a social environment outside of home and work? Has working remotely affected how often you visit that social environment? Has it affected your loneliness? Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. That's 866-915-WBEZ. Phoebe, I want to go back to you. You've been a remote worker for a long time, as we talked about, since 2014. How do you deal with the loneliness that can come from not working around other people? Well, I do have an advantage in that I am an introvert, but I am very much driven by having deep, meaningful relationships with people. And so I don't prefer to have lots of shallow relationships. Mm -hmm. I prefer to have a few very deep relationships. And having deep relationships really does require putting in the time and effort in maintaining those relationships. And I actually found that to be much easier once I was working remotely. But my deep relationships, uh, as a preference, live outside of work. I find the disadvantages of having close personal relationships with your coworkers to be too much to risk. And so my strong preference has always been to build deep relationships outside of work. That's interesting. You know, I I will say I have... I, I haven't felt loneliness working from home, but I have definitely felt a disconnect with my own coworkers. Like I feel like before working remotely, maybe maybe to your point, there were you know it wasn't great that that a lot of my close friendships were people at work, but it it made the workplace feel like uh, you know more than just a workplace. Um, I wonder what conversations you've had with people about the difficulties of socializing with coworkers if you're not in the office together ever. Yes. So uh, not only have I been working from home, uh, working remotely since 2014, I've been leading remotely since 2015. And so I have hired and had lots of direct reports and mentees who are early in their career and working in a hybrid or a distributed environment and have felt this as a really strong challenge. And the only solution is to be intentional. When we are in our offices and everyone's coming to the office every day, we can be a bit lazy about how we build our social mm-hmm. connections because the office is forced us together, forcing us into a bunch of situations where we have to talk to each other. We don't have to think about it. It just kind of happens. When you're in a remote environment, you have to take the initiative to create those moments of connection. But when you do that, you can have just as deep of relationships, just as positive and constructive working relationships with your coworkers as if you do in the office. And I know that from personal experience, especially as an introvert who deeply values deep relationships, I connect very much so with my remote coworkers by being intentional and making time for it. Excellent. And obviously one of the ways, not to with your coworkers necessarily, but to to keep your social relationships going is to have a third space, like I was talking about before. Betsy, you've been running third space in Lakeview since 2021, but the space has been open for, for two decades, a little more than two decades. I wonder if you could talk about what third space's purpose is and how it's evolved over over the years. Absolutely. We are a community hub, and our vision is to provide programming that enhances the social and emotional and physical well-being of our community. So trying to hit on all those different spots with the programming we offer and just having an open door where people can walk in and be themselves and find something to connect to and really express themselves and their passion and build relationships. That's really our goal. Excellent. Phoebe, I wonder if if as a self-described introvert who's looking mostly for deep relationships, I mean, are third spaces like that important to you to sort of keep your social life going or, or is that not where you're finding connection? 
Absolutely. As I mentioned earlier in the segment, I am a big gym rat and Mm. I am in the gym three or four times a week, sometimes five times a week. And some of my really good friends are folks that we ended up going to the same gym class for the same six months and realized, wait, hey, we should probably have coffee. And then that turned into a friendship. And so for me, the gym is a really important third space for me where lots of people who are organizing around an activity that they enjoy are able to connect over that uh, activity. And we can choose to take that connection outside of its context and deepen that relationship further. And so I'm really glad that places like Third Space exist where more people can have those sorts of connections. We have moved away from having those sorts of spaces in our communities. And so it is really important that we find ways to reintegrate that into our lives. Excellent. Betsy, in one second, I want to ask you more about the programming at Third Space, but Karen is on the line from Park Ridge, and and Karen has an important thought to share about nurturing relationships. Go ahead, Karen. Hi. Yeah, so I actually grew up in a very, very rural area in the middle of nowhere, and all through high school and middle school, I was a forum kid, and I grew up being online and cultivating relationships all textually because I, it was a 45-minute commute to get anywhere. And I went from working in big four public accounting as an auditor, and for the record, no one wants to see an auditor ever, <laughs> let alone in person. So I have been thriving on the remote environment. And if you want to cultivate relationships, it takes that extra step, just like you would in the office, to invite someone out to have coffee, even doing it from your desk. But it has offered so much flexibility and so much freedom to my life. I am able to sleep better. I have a third space at the dog park where I bring my giant Bernese mountain dogs (laughs) with me to hang out and in the winter we're going out i do so many more stairs i am so much more free while also leaning into the fact that hey my job can be done 100 percent remote and there is no reason for me to be in person that's excellent thank you so much karen that i I appreciate and we are so thankful to have you call in auditor or no we were glad to hear from you uh betsy i wonder you know karen was just talking about her third her, her third space is the dog park at the third space in lakeview i'm curious if there are specific events or programming that you you've you've heard the community asking for in the last few years one of the spaces that we're really trying to Uh, work towards incorporating is our elder population in Lakeview East. We have tons of amazing senior housing right around our corners. And so in response to that, and actually one of our longest running programs is our senior lunch bunch. So five days a week, we're open for a low cost senior lunch, but it's not just a lunch. We have um, our master list is probably like over 150 seniors that filter through throughout the um, weeks or months. And we celebrate birthdays together we celebrate holidays together. We just have lots of fun. Of course, there's, you know, bingo, but we also have um, exercise that's catered towards the senior population. So just finding ways for even um, those more hidden communities to come out and foster relationships and community to each other. That's one space that I think is super fun for us to get to invite into our doors. That's amazing. Uh, this is Reset. I'm Patrick Smith in for Sasha Ann Simons. Earlier this hour, we talked about health concerns around remote work. 
Now we're talking about ways to build community to manage loneliness that can come with remote work. We're joined by Phoebe Gavin, a career coach, and Betsy Melcher's program director at Third Space Chicago. We also want to hear from you. Do you have a third space, a social environment outside of home and work? Has working remotely affected how often you visit that th- third space? Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. That's 866-915-WBEZ. Betsy, you know, we just heard from Karen who said that that forums and being online c- can work as a third space for her. I'll admit I'm a bit of a Luddite. I've never been able to find community online. But I wonder, people do try to do use virtual spaces as their third space. I mean, what, what do you make of that? I think whatever works for you, lean into it. We, during a portion of the pandemic, 90%, even to 100% at some point of our programming was virtual. So we do a documentary Thursday program where we look at different social justice topics and have discussion. And during um, the height of the pandemic, that was all virtual. And we cultivated a really cool community during that. So I think it's finding what what you can with where you're at and i'm i'm partial to being in person but you know there are limitations even with our elder community there are some who can't come in person but for our storytelling hour we do it virtually or hybrid so we have people facetiming in to share their stories that they've written so we love trying to piece together the inclusivity that hybrid or virtual options can offer and Phoebe, I, I want to go back to you. you. You talked about sort of needing to be intentional when you're working remote. I mean, one of the concerns that, that people have about remote life is that early career folks won't get the mentorship they need. You've been working as a mentor for a long time. What advice do you have for early career staff who are working remotely? Yeah, this is a huge problem, and it's a really difficult one to solve. And the core of it is um, when you are coming into your career for the very first time, you have a lot of anxiety and insecurity about your place at your company, your place in your career, your place in your industry, and that can encourage you to make yourself smaller and to wait for the safe opportunities to raise your hand, to speak up, and to engage. And that really works against you when you're in the beginning of your career. And the most important thing for you to be doing is engaging and learning and growing through interacting with people. And so whether it was folks I hired, folks I coach, or folks I mentor, when they're early in their career and they're experiencing that anxiety and insecurity, the thing that I always recommend that they do is practice being brave. Be, try it, just give it a shot, send a message to that person who you're a little intimidated by and just see what happens. Sometimes you will get some help and sometimes you will get some good information. But either way, it is good for you to give it a shot because if you get some help, then you can move forward, you can build your connection with that person, you can build your skills. And if you get some good information about how you should engage with that person, whether they are a, a safe and helpful and productive uh, person for you to have a good working relationship with, it's better for you to know that than to not know that. Betsy, I saw you there kind of kind of smile and nod when you said being brave. Do you, do you think this sounds like good advice? I think so. I think it takes so much courage to walk out your front door and insert yourself into a, a new community. 
I see that all the time with different programs we have. Like over the summer, we have houseplant swaps where people can bring their extra houseplants and trade it with people. And a lot of times we get people brand new to our space who have never walked in the door before and maybe even new to the neighborhood. We had someone who recently moved from another state and had to give up all her houseplants and she came and was just happy to meet people. But that takes courage. So I think there is bravery involved in building community and even in expressing yourself and who you are. And, and you talked about having new people come in. I mean, are, do you feel there are any misconceptions that people have about third spaces like yours when people first arrive? I think there are difficulties in knowing what a third space is if you're just walking past looking in the windows. We have a really cool location with beautiful lights and a big, you know, open room. But until you're there and you understand what the programming is and kind of see what it's about, it's hard to conceptualize. So I think once you set foot in the door, then you can kind of get it. But just walking past, it can be a little challenging. But we have a lot of people peeking in our windows, and I'm always trying to wave them in from off the street, like, come see what we're about. We want you here. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, we've got Wynette in Old Town on the line right now. Wynette, you feel like uh, you're not so sold on this working from home thing. I wonder if you could tell us about that. Well, I, my consideration is public life. When you go downtown, I'm thinking, because I live in Chicago, of course, Old Town. But when you go downtown now, it's almost desolate. And you look up at the buildings where, you know, the office space is vacant. A lot of the retail establishments are shuttered. And that's one of the reasons. is because it, I know it happened because of the pandemic. It, it, it happened even before the pandemic. I think a lot of um, brick-and-mortar retail had taken a hit because of um, the internet. But after the pandemic, it just seemed to wipe it out. And I think if more people were working downtown or working in offices, you'd get a lot of the, you know, the um, people on the street, the hectic, the vitality on the street, and I, I miss that. And that's what, that's one reason. The other thing is, it's not just the business, the commercial space, the, um, the crowds downtown, that mix of people, that vitality, but also public transportation is taking a hit, and not just the elves and the buses, but even the taxis. And I just think it's more of a community that we should think about. And I am a loner. That's just the way I feel. Well, I, I appreciate your thought. Thank you so much. Phoebe, I'm wondering what you think of Wynette's thoughts there and th this idea that, that people choosing to work remote or maybe having to work remote can have a sort of deleterious impact on downtown or transit. I definitely hear her concerns and they are valid. Um, one thing that I do is I don't always work from my home. I work from places in my community quite frequently. I have uh, a few hotel lobbies. I have a few cafes. I have uh, my local library. There are all places that are within walking distance or very short driving distance from my home where I will work if I want to change it up a bit. And that allows me to also run errands or do some recreational um, activities in my local area as well to support my 
local community. Just because you have the option to work from home doesn't mean that you have to work from home all the time. And the opportunity to work from home also gives you the opportunity to support your local community. I shop much more in my local community than I did when I was um, commuting. And I spend more time getting to know my neighbors and the folks in my local community because I'm spending so much more time interfacing with them. But again, that comes back to the theme that we've talked about several times in this segment, which is it's about choice. I am choosing to use my time that way to support myself and to support my local community. Not everyone is making that choice, and we are seeing some impacts from that. Yeah, that that makes total sense. I mean, isn't it a good, I mean, it's a good thing for us to reevaluate the way that we work. I don't think any of us want to see like desolate downtowns or feel like our cities are less vibrant than they used to. But at the same time, you know, things are going to change. Things they, things can't stay the, stay the way forever all the time. I want to thank both of you. Phoebe Gavin is a career coach, and Betsy Melchers is the program director at Third Space Chicago. Thank you both so much for joining us.